You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. But let's take a few moments. Let's get into the Word this morning. And uh, if you came in today and you were not able to receive a handout, if you hold your hand up, we've got some for you. If you need a pen, we'll get one of those to you so you can jot some notes down. But this is week number five in our series called Be Transformed. Turn to somebody close by to you and tell them, I need you to be transformed. Amen. Tell them, I need you to change. Now, keep in mind, if you were saying it to somebody, hopefully they were saying it right back to you. So we all need to change. We're all a work in progress, and thank God. You know, uh, I love the verse in Philippians that says that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Amen. So if you're a work in progress, hold on. Yeah, you're going to get there one day. Amen. Well, let's look at our foundation scripture for this series, and that's found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The scripture in the New Living Translation says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so again, pay attention in this verse where it says, But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you that you think. So life transformation for us, in other words, change for us takes place as we change the way that we think. So just bring up a couple of points that we've talked about throughout the preceding weeks. Let's look at this one and that is this, the Bible teaches us that the way that we change is by an inward transformation and this happens as we change the way we think. You know, a lot of times, as I've said, we like to address the external things, and there's nothing wrong with that, but be sure you're addressing the thinking that might be behind whatever it is that needs to be changed in your life. You know, as we'll see in just a few moments, a lot of the things that are in our lives, uh, habits and, and things like that that need to be changed, they come about in our lives because of our thinking. And so we're going to Break this down as we have in the previous week. So let's look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And Paul breaks it down for us and gives us the way that our thinking patterns evolve. And so let's look at this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You know, and so... Let me just say this to you. A lot of times, again, when we're trying to address uh, external things to produce change in our lives, we're doing it in the power of our flesh. And, and I've got news for you. You might be able to change some minor things in your life through just sheer willpower, but you're going to need some spiritual help to get the job done. So Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So as we've been saying that Paul gives us here, of course, by the Holy Spirit, he gives us three levels of mental activity that we all engage in. He starts at the highest and goes to the least. But what I want us to do, just for the sake of our study and our review, is to break this down and look at it from the lowest to the highest and just reverse what Paul gave us here. So three levels of mental activity. We said this, that Paul said that the first one starts with thoughts and thought selection. You have a choice in what you think about. And so you have the responsibility to govern what goes on in your head and in your mind. And so you and I, according to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 6 in verses 22 through 30, right around in there, 33, in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us, take no thought for your life. So the implication is there that you can either take a thought or you can reject that thought. And so again, he says, take no thought saying. So the way that we accept a thought and take it and make it our own is when we attach our words to it. You know, you don't have to uh, necessarily give voice to everything that pops into your mind. You know, how many of you have ever found yourself, well, I just want to give them a piece of my mind. Well, why don't you keep that piece to yourself and just keep your mouth shut, okay? And you don't, don't have to attach words to it, but just let that thought die unborn, and so just let it go. But Paul went on to tell us that we take thoughts captive. And if you remember, we looked at the translation that says it's like taking prisoners of war, or it's like taking, arresting someone. And the way that you do that is by, by putting words in your mouth that contradict the thought in your head. So let me give you an example. If you are facing a situation and, uh, you know, the circumstances don't look good, you know, you might have a, a need in your life and, and the thoughts are crossing your mind and worrying about that situation and how you're going to work it out. Well, the best thing that you can do is begin to put the word in your mouth that says that God will take care of that situation. God will move on your behalf. You know, if it's a financial need, Put Philippians, Philippians 4.19 in your mouth. But my God shall supply some of your need according to his, huh, what? How much of it? All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, I, every time I go to Florida, I have to share this with you. Every time I go to Florida, I get tickled because how many of you know the Lord called himself El Shaddai when he was, was speaking with Abraham? The Hebrew for El Shaddai means he is more than enough. Well, there are gas stations, a few of them, some of them are closed, thank goodness, um, that I see in Florida as I'm going down to Gainesville. They're called El Cheapo. And so I have, I, the thought crosses my mind, you know, because the old preacher joke, he's El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. And so I always think about that when I'm going down there, so... But anyway, you have to pull that thought down, take it captive by putting words in your mouth that contradict that thought. Well, you know, this, you know if your circumstances are telling you that uh, the report doesn't look good, that physically you might have a diagnosis that doesn't look good, well, the scripture says in Psalm 118 that you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. 
The 91st Psalm says that with long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. And so the, the, what you have to begin to do is put the word in your mouth. And here's why. Here's why this works. Because if you cannot think about one thing and say something else long term without your mind shutting up to hear what's coming out of your mouth. Okay? I can prove it to you, but we won't for the sake of time. So that's how you deal with thoughts. The next level of mental activity that we deal with are called imaginations. Now, this is where you start tapping into worry. You know, worry is nothing but picturing your life going a certain way. You know, if, again, if you're dealing with some circumstances in your life and, uh, you know, no matter what they might be, if, if the thoughts stay in your mind, pretty soon you're going to start attaching pictures to them. You know, if you got that negative report from the doctor, if you dwell on it long enough, you'll begin to imagine your own funeral. That's just how the mind works. And so, again, what you have to do is you have to take that imagination, take it captive, pull it down by the Word of God, and uh, begin to build images, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but build pictures in your mind of you living and not dying. Build pictures in your mind of you rising up totally healed and delivered and set free and God restoring health to you. Build pictures in your mind of every need in your life being fully and abundantly supplied. So much so, like 2 Corinthians 9 says, that you have more than enough, that you're able to be a blessing and to use your resources to touch and change the lives of other people. Begin to think about that instead of thinking about how much you lack all the time, which, you know, in the natural, that might be the case. But in, in your mind and in your heart, begin to imagine your life again with more than enough so that you are able to be, be a blessing with what God entrusts to your hands. So you have thoughts, you have imaginations, and then if you dwell on those too long enough, they begin to form patterns of behavior in your life. In other words, you adjust your behavior to your imagination and your thinking process. And so we have a word that we use. Uh, the Bible calls these strongholds. And really a stronghold in the Greek language is nothing more than just an, a fortification, a castle, if you will, if you want to think medieval terms. But it's basically some type of fortification. And here's the thing that you need to understand about fortifications. Fortifications are designed to keep people in and to keep people out. If you allow your mind to build up negative strongholds, you're keeping yourself captive and you're forbidding help to be able to get to you. And so you want to be able to pull down strongholds. Now, I want to remind you what Paul wrote. And he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. Why? For the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, so, you know, God has given us supernatural strength, anointing, and weaponry to be able to pull down those strongholds. Now, another word for stronghold that we use is a habit, a habit. Now, habits can be good and habits can be bad, but a habit is simply a pattern of behavior that we do enough until it becomes almost involuntary, where it's a pattern of behavior that happens in our life and we don't even have to think about 
doing it. In other words, it's not intentional anymore. It's just something we do. Now, the good news, a lot of times we focus in the negative and look at bad habits, and we need to address those things. But here's the good news, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is it is possible for you to build good habits in your life. And so we'll get into that in just a little bit as we unfold some of this stuff. So again, I want to remind you what Paul said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the, I'm going to say it this way, for the pulling down or destroying bad habits. Now, I'm so glad he doesn't expect us, God doesn't expect us to deal with these things in our own strength and ability. Because I know sometimes we get habits in our lives where it doesn't seem like we have the ability to overcome them. Well, the good news is you have help. Matter of fact, let me remind you of Isaiah 10, 27, where Isaiah wrote, and he said, and it shall come to pass, talking about the burden of the Assyrians on the children of Israel, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. Why? The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So as we said last week, you need to tap into the anointing in other words, to get that supernatural help in order to destroy and pull down those habits. Now, what I want to do is I want to just run through the six things we talked about last week real, real quickly so that I, and I'll try and resist the temptation to make a lot of commentary. But again, if you missed any of these last week, they're all on the website and you can go and you can download them. But let's look at this. Number one, be willing to identify the stronghold. Now, we're talking in a negative sense right now. So if you have a bad habit in your life that you know needs to be changed or, or gotten rid of, be willing to identify. Be willing to call it for what it is. Don't make excuses. No, just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know this is something that I deal with and I need your help and I, I, I believe for you to help me to destroy this thing in my life. Number two, we said deal with one stronghold or one habit at a time. You know, don't, don't allow the devil to spread you so thin where you're trying to overcome so many things at one time. No, just deal with one major thing at a time. And use the wisdom of God. Ask the Lord to help you, show you. Lord, what, you know, I know I've got these four things in my life that need to be changed, these patterns of behavior, so which one is the most important? Let him prioritize it for you. And the reason I say that is you will be amazed at how something that you might not associate with something else really is behind the scenes attached to it. And so the wisdom of God will help you to be able to, to pull that down and affect other areas of your life. Number three, we talked about using that wonderful word fasting. Everybody say fasting, okay? Fast and deny the desires of the flesh to amplify or magnify the anointing in your life. Let me say it to you this way. And, and I said last week, the word amplify sounds like there's something we can do to turn the, the power up. No, the power is the power of God. It is what it is. But what happens when we fast is we take our attention and our desires off of something over here and we begin to focus on the things of God 
And when you focus on the things of God, you become more attuned to the Spirit of God, and therefore you become more attuned, and the power of God can become stronger in your life. So you magnify the anointing. You know, there's a scripture that David wrote in the Psalms where he said, Oh, uh, come bless the Lord with me. Let us magnify his name together. Well, you know, you can't make the name of the Lord any bigger than it is, but it can become bigger in you as you begin to realize that and, and open your heart and your mind to that. The next thing that we said, number four, is to pray and ask the Lord for his help and he will answer. He will answer you. Isaiah 58 Great chapter on fasting. Uh, if you will give your attention to the Lord and ask him for his help, he has promised and said he will help you. All right? He is not the type of God that is going to deny your, that you when you ask for help. If you need help, God is going to show up. The Bible says that he's an ever-present help in a time of trouble. All you got to do is ask. Okay, so pray and ask the Lord for help and he will answer. Then next, there's got to be some word pushback from you. You know, it's, uh, let me say it to you this way. I wish it was all up to God and we didn't have to do anything. Wouldn't that be nice? But how many of you know we got a part to play and he's got a part to play? And our part is you're going to have to offer up some level of resistance to that temptation when it comes to you. So when the, you know, temptation to yield back into that pattern of behavior shows up, then you're going to have to push that back. You're going to have to follow the example of Jesus from Luke chapter 4 and put the word in your mouth and put some pushback to it and offer some resistance. Number six is this, don't try to be a hero, get help if you need help. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Uh, you know, that's why we're in a, a fellowship and a body of believers because we want people to be able to get help. And the best thing you can do is find somebody that you love and you trust and that they can stand with you in the fight. We looked at some scriptures in uh, Ecclesiastes where the scriptures talks about uh, the strength of two people being together. And so it's very, very important and, and the good news is to know, especially, I, and I can't speak for everybody else, I can't speak for our church, we love you and we will help you. We'll stand with you in faith, no matter how long it takes, in order for you to get the victory. All right? So that's how you pull down those negative habits, those patterns of behavior. So let's look at how do we build good habits. So get your notes out and let's begin with this. Uh, to essentially reverse the process, okay, of, of building that bad habit. We're going to reverse the process. So here's number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Focus on the Word of God and let the Word be the standard. The standard. What do, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by let the Word be the standard? You know, in our world today, there's a lot of people that will tell you that, that they have their truth that this is my truth, okay? And, and so there's all kinds of, well, let me say it to you this way. There's a scripture in Judges that's repeated three or four times in the book of Judges. 
that uh, essentially when the children of Israel backslid after they went into the promised land, the Bible says that they had no king, so they did whatever they thought was right. And, and what, what the scripture is saying is that, of course, God wanted to be their king, but when you have nobody that you look to for strong leadership in your life as far as the Lord is concerned, you'll just do whatever you think and feel is the best thing to do. And so what happens in that environment is you get a, a whole culture in the world that is all over the place as far as their standards and values are concerned. I mean, you get some that, that are more conservative in their standards and their behavior and that type of thing. And then you get some that are way out in left field somewhere. And, um, you know, there, there are no standards of behavior. There's no limits to the depravity that people will go to when there's no limits placed on them. So my point is this, is that what we have to do as believers is we've got to go to the Word of God and let the Word of God determine the standards for our lives, not how we feel at the moment or what somebody else says or what we see on social media or those types of things. You know, I refuse to let some influencer on social media dictate to me what is right and what is wrong. Well, I thought I'd get a little better amen than that, but it's the truth anyway, all right? So the word is the standard of measurement for our lives. Let's look at James chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me, verse 21, James 1, 21 in the Passion Translation. Look at this. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. So this is why we set this standard and we alleviate everything that is against the standard. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word which has been implanted within our nature by the Holy Spirit, I'm adding that, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Now what that means is, what James is saying is that when we make the word of God our standard, when we say and we model our lives after what God establishes what, what this scripture is saying is that that goes along with what's already in our nature by the Holy Spirit anyway, and the word of life has power to continually bring deliverance. So when you and I look at the word of God and we model our behavior to what the Bible says instead of what's going on in the world, then what happens is there is a delivering power that becomes available to us that's available on a consistent basis, all right? So let the word be the standard for your life. Model your behavior after the word. So why am I saying that? Well, that's how we determine what is a good habit and what's a bad habit. Okay, so you have to measure your habits, good, bad, whatever, according to the word and let the word tell you what needs to be destroyed and what needs to be maintained. Here's number two. Keep the word of God before you and in your mouth. Now, I know this sounds very basic. I'm going to give you a scripture in just a moment. But you need to have the word of God in your life. And I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say this. But you have to have the word in your life more than just on Sunday morning. Amen. That's wonderful. And it's glad that, that we do that. But it, it, you know, it's going to take 
you investing in the word of God the other six days of the week to keep the word before you. Let me ask you a question before we look at the scripture. How many of you like success? Okay, I'm going to ask that one more time because some of you just... How many of you like success? Put that way up there. All right. How many of you like good success? All right. How many of you like to prosper? Okay. All right. If I could tell you a way to guarantee that that happens in your life, would you do it? Okay. All right. Remember that. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law or the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Make a note. We'll get to that word in just a second. But you shall meditate in it when you want to. Every now and then. On Sundays. Okay. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe or see to do according to all that is written in it. All right. Here's the promise. For then... When you meet that condition, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So you and I just stuck our big old hands up there in the air just a minute ago and we said we want to prosper and we want to have good success. That's how you do it. You keep the word before you day and night. Somebody says, but I got a job, pastor. They'll get mad at me if I, if I sit there at my desk and read the Bible. No, I'm not insinuating that you do that. Here's what the scripture is really telling us is be thinking about the word. Be, be word conscious all the time. The word meditate there actually is a very, very powerful word. And we'll talk more about it in just a second, but it's actually translated from the Hebrew word that we get our word imagination from. So, you know, when you say meditate on the Bible, what people often think is some weird yoga pose and, you know, you're sitting there making funny noises and that type of thing. No, the, in, according to the scripture, the biblical way of meditation is to picture your life being lived out the way God says you can live your life out. So in light of this verse, when he tells you meditate in the word, why don't you do this? Why don't you begin to take five minutes a day and picture your life and just begin to daydream a little bit about if the prosperity of God was working in your life to its fullest capacity. Or you, were, you had good success in everything you do. Somebody says, oh, pastor, that's not realistic. Somebody didn't tell God that because he says it is. Okay, just, you know, what if you just took a minute and just daydreamed about what would happen if everything I do is successful? What would my life look like? That's what God says. All right, so you have to keep the word before you. Now, a key to this is in this verse, don't let it depart from your mouth, okay? You want me to tell you real quick how to tell if you got the word in your heart and in your mouth? Hit your hand with a hammer. You'll find out what's in your heart real quick. <laughs> Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks or cusses, whichever you want to say there, all right? Okay. All right, I'm just saying, don't, don't do that as a test. Don't say, pastor told me. No, don't do that, all right? But here's what I want you to see is forming the right 
habit starts with seeing it in your heart and in your mind. We said last week to you that your imagination, listen to this, your imagination is the ability to see in your heart what you don't see out here yet. It's vision, it's imagination, and God wants you to participate in that, all right? Here's number three, and that is this, build an imagination, and we've already kind of said this, but build your imagination being lived out in line with God's word with a different behavior. So let's say, you know, just for the sake of conversation, if you, uh, you know, have a certain uh, addiction in your life, maybe to smoking or something like that, no condemnation, God helps you, God will help you, but it starts with being able to build in your heart a picture of your life being lived out without that habit in your life. Okay, because I know what that's like, you know, uh, uh, to a degree, to, you know, something that's in your life and it's been there for a long time and it seems like you have no control over it. Well, it starts with, number one, getting a revelation that you can dominate that thing through the power of God and beginning to build that image on the inside of you of your life being free from that. And that's the way it starts with imagination. Now, uh, if I could promise you uh, that whatever you do will prosper. Now, we've already looked at having prosperity and good success, but can, it, what if I could tell you the way that everything you do will prosper? Would you want to hear that? Yeah. All right, okay. Let's look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1. David opens the psalm and he says this, Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God or the law of the Lord. And here we go. Here's that word again. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What are the results? The results are this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, meaning that you have an unending source of nourishment and refreshing that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever, say whatever, whatever, whatever he does shall prosper. Now, you know, um, I might not have in my past, in, in being a pastor, emphasized this as much as I perhaps should have, but I, I, I'm getting to the point now where I don't really care, and I'm going to tell you, God wants you to prosper because it's not about you. It's a bigger purpose behind it, but God has no problem with you prospering and increasing in your life and your life becoming a resource that he can flow through to touch and change the lives of other people. Can I say it to you this way? You can't help people if you don't have anything to help them with. Oh, pastor, you know, God just wants us poor and humble. No, that's religion that wants to keep you poor and humble. God wants you blessed. He wants you to prosper. Thank you for your enthusiasm, all right? So again, as I said to you a moment ago, your imagination is your ability to see with your heart what you can't see with your eyes. And God gave you 
that ability. If you look at Psalm 1, again, we just read it, that he says in his law, he meditates day and night. If you drop down to, and I didn't put it in your notes, but if you drop down to the second Psalm, it says this, why do the people imagine such vain things? Well, the same word that's translated meditate in Psalm 1 is translated imagination in Psalm 2. So what God is telling you is spend time imagining your life being lived out. And I want to encourage you, go back and, you know, our series that we did on Take the Limits Off, review that and learn to daydream without any limits. I'm going to say that again. Learn to daydream in God's will without any limits. Because God is a limitless God. All right? We're the ones that put him in a box. He's not in a box. All right, here's number four. And that is this. Write this down. Be a doer of the word. Now, somebody says, yeah, I know that, Pastor. Okay. Do you really? Because here's where I want to challenge us all, and that is this. Every time you hear the word of God, ask yourself the question, is there some way I need to incorporate this into my life? And, and if the answer is yes, then do it. Just do it. You know, not to take Nike's slogan, but just do it. Okay? Put the word in your heart and then be a doer of it. You know, I've said this often, but it bears repetition. Don't try and make the word to conform to your life. Make your life conform to the word by doing it. Just doing it. What do you mean, pastor? Well, you know, I think there's nobody in here today that would argue that they have never heard that you need to walk in love and forgiveness based on what the Word says. If you've been a part of our church any time at all, you've heard that, all right? So that's one thing you need to be a doer of. Now, you may not always know how. You may not always know to what extent. You need the help of the Holy Spirit for that. But just understand that, okay, make it up. Make up your de a decision in your own heart. I am going to walk in love no matter what. I am going to walk in forgiveness no matter what. All right? And make that a part of your life. Am I helping anybody? Okay, now here's a couple of big ones. Well, let me read the verse, James chapter 1 and verse 22. Very simple, mic drop scripture. And that is this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We could drop the mic right there and that scripture says it all. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. All right, so here's number five. And this one's very, very important. Start with some small things which make a big difference. Start with some small things. Uh, I'm going to be very transparent for just a moment, but um, you know, my apartment, I had noticed there were a lot of things that were getting cluttered and um, out of order. I'm going to blame it on COVID. You know, it's just this good thing just to use as an excuse. Um, but whatever, you know, so I began to look at those things like closets. Okay. I heard somebody say one time, and this cut really deep a long time ago, and that is this. If you want to know the conditions of somebody's spiritual life, look at their closet. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, 
I had to evaluate and I had to say, you know, and I'm not going to be so bold as to say, you know, that the Lord was dealing with me that I needed to get my organization skills improved. But uh, let's, okay, let's just say he was trying to help me. All right. So what I did is I got my to-do list out. And um, so what I began to do is some small things. I put it on my to-do list for the day. Um, you know, why don't we, in, in my laundry room, anybody got a messy laundry room? Okay, I'll own that. Okay, we're, you know, in my apartment, there's a couple of shelves, and there's, there was all kinds of stuff on those shelves, you know, light bulbs and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it was all mixed in with the laundry and whatnot. I'm talking about the detergent and the bleach and all that stuff. I know this, this might not be helping you at all, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So what I did is I made the decision. Here's what I'm going to do. One shelf a week. One shelf a week. Start in the laundry room, then I'll move into my closet, then I'll move into my other closets and so forth and so on. And because uh, here's, here's what you need to tell yourself. Somebody tell me if I did one shelf a week, how many shelves is that a year? 52. I don't have 52 shelves. Okay, so what does that tell me? If I did one small thing a week, the big difference that it would make over a year's time. Now, here's the thing that I know about myself is that if I do that one thing, the likelihood of me allowing it to get in the same condition again is very low. Because I, I like it when it's neat. It's just I taught myself out of neatening it up. You know, I get lazy just like all of us do. Y'all forgive me if this doesn't help you at all, if this doesn't apply. But so what, that's what I mean. Because here's what human nature does. Human nature looks at everything that we need to do in our lives and we get overwhelmed. And then we say this, I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll do it the next day. Or I'll do it the next day. Or I'll do it the next day. And the next thing you know, six months to a year has gone by and you haven't done anything. Well, hallelujah. Maybe it's just me. All right? No, start with something small. And I know that's a natural thing. But what I'm saying to you is, what if, what if you started out reading the Bible for 10 minutes a day. That's all. But pastor, that's not enough. Who says? Okay? Start there with 10 minutes a day. Or what if you spent five minutes a day in prayer? Start there. While you're on your way to work in the car, you know, instead of listening to talk radio or whatever it is that you might listen to that really isn't putting anything good in you, why not... Uh, matter of fact, the Bible app will talk to you now. I don't know if you knew that. It'll read to you. So sometimes in the car, I'll just let the Bible app read to me. And I kind of like that, all right? So let me show you a, a verse of Scripture, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. And what, let me give you a little background about this verse. This is when the, the people had left captivity, the children of Israel, a small portion of the children of Israel, had left captivity and had gone back to Jerusalem and wanted to rebuild the temple 
and the city walls and so forth. So a man by the name of Zerubbabel, who was a, a leader, and then a prophet named Zechariah went down there together back to Jerusalem with a small group of people in order to rebuild the city. And the Lord spoke through Zechariah and told Zerubbabel something really interesting. And he said this, look at the scripture, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. What is he saying? He, he would rather you start and spend five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day reading the Bible, even though the devil is going to lie to you and tell you that's not enough. You're not meeting the obligation. God's not pleased with that. That is a lie because God would rather see you start with something small, putting a tool in your hand because he knows that the work has begun in you. So don't let the devil talk you out of that. It, you know, it makes God rejoice. That's what it says. It makes God rejoice when he sees us begin to make steps towards spiritual progress. It makes God happy. I know you want to make God happy. Amen. So, you know, like I said, it may be reading the Bible for a period of time. It may be spending some time in prayer. Start and do something small. Because here's what will happen. You know, you'll have a preacher, and I try not to do this, but if you have a preacher that stands up and says, you know, you need to spend an hour a day in prayer. What do most people, first of all, that's not possible. Secondly, it's overwhelming. Particularly when you've never done it before and you don't know what to do. Okay, start with something small. Dave Ramsey calls it baby steps, okay? All right, here's number six. Stay consistent with the process, day and night. Stay consistent with it, even when you don't feel like it. Because let me tell you something. I'm a pastor. I've been in the ministry for a long time. And there are days when I wake up and I do not feel like praying and I do not feel like reading the Bible. But I have to be consistent. Why? Not for you, for me. Okay? So be consistent with the process day and night. Now here's one thing. I, I didn't include it in your notes, but I want you to remember this. That spiritual things seem to not happen as quickly as we would like. But things are happening. It's just happening where you can't see it, all right? Let's look at some scriptures, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And we desire, Paul wrote, that each, of you, each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, finish like you start. Stay consistent. That you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those through Faith and patience. Somebody tell me what patience is. It's consistency. If you look it up in the Bible, it mean, I mean in the dictionary, it means to be consistent. Patience doesn't mean tolerate. <laughs> That's long suffering, all right? So what he says is, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit 
the promises. So let me say it to you this way. Imitate those who through faith and consistency obtain the promises. All right, Luke 21 and verse 19, Jesus said this, and this is the Amplified Bible, by your steadfastness and consistent endurance, you shall win the true life of your souls. Let me say that again. By your steadfastness and your consistent endurance, remaining the same, you shall win the true life of your souls. And soul meaning your mind, your will, and your emotions. See, it takes steadfastness and consistent endurance to win the battle up here. All right? Here's number seven and the last one, and that is this. You can build a new habit pattern in 21 days. Behavioral scientists have proven this, that human nature is if you will begin to incorporate something in your life and stay consistent with it, you can build a good habit in as little as 21 days. So if I could promise you that in a month you could change, doesn't that excite you a little bit? A month is not that long of a time, you know? To a young person, it might seem like a long time, but when you get 60, it doesn't, it, a month ain't no time at all. Well, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Those of y'all, I know all y'all are not that old yet, okay? So, again, based on behavioral studies, uh, it has established that if you stay with this process, you can change in less than a month. Stay with it. Now, I want to leave you with one last thought, and that is this. Why is this so important? Why is what we are talking about so important? Here's why. Because it affects every area of your life. What we are talking about affects every area of your life. Now, I'm going to prove it to you with one little verse, and then we'll be done. 3 John 2, you might have know this verse that where the King James says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Let me show you what the passion says. Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health. Look at this. Just as your soul is prospering. What this tells me is prosperity out here, health in here is only limited and attached to the degree of prosperity that I'm experiencing here. That's what that verse is saying. He says, I, I pray that you're prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering, your mind, your will, and your emotions. As those things prosper, so will every other area of your life. So as you're renewing your mind, as you're changing your thinking, and this goes back to what Romans 12, 2 says, but as you're changing those things inwardly, changing the way that you think, it will affect every area of your life and cause you to experience God's will, plan, and purpose in your life in a great way. Thanks once again for tuning in 
to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.